0: It's Monday, March 14th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen, from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker, and also from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann. Guys, good to see you. We're surrounded, uh, Normally on this podcast, we pick a few big stories and, and go through the headlines. Uh, today, we're just going to focus on the one big headline, and that's obviously the Ongoing nuclear crisis in Japan, uh, Bill. Mann, I'm going to start with you because you've worked with the Japanese utility industry. You've actually been to one of these power plants in question. Uh, what are your thoughts about this story as it unfolds?
1: Well, I think the thing that people should remember is that you know there's a lot of hysteria going on, and, and what it is is a very bad situation. But this is Three Mile Island, not Chernobyl. We're not, you know there are a lot of scenarios that 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 could pass from here but we're not looking at a massive meltdown as being one of the l- most likely scenarios what we're looking at is a containment vessel that has you know for the most part held and given the size of the uh the the uh natural disaster that has befallen japan
0: that's uh you know that's that's pretty amazing to me anytime nuclear power is involved in that way it's it's a little bit scary Hot button yeah but the the economic toll, um, when you see the Nikkei down, when you see Japanese retailers uh, dropping to the extent they are, what, what is your reaction to that?
2: Well, you know, and it's not just Japanese stocks that are dropping. Nuclear stocks are, are, are dropping also. And this seems to me to be people acting without necessarily thinking. I mean, as Bill made, made the point, and I think it's the right point, is that this is a massive earthquake followed by a massive tsunami followed by 150 or more aftershocks. And the nuclear power plants are are hanging in there, so to speak. I mean, there hasn't been a massive meltdown, um, and and they're working hard to to keep things under control. In some ways, that's evidence that nuclear power is safer than people may have thought previously. You know, at this point, nuclear stocks are are down 15 to 25 percent today, or stocks associated with uranium and those sorts of things. And people seem to be thinking that you know nuclear plants are no longer to be able to be built. In the United States, and Europe, um, in China, and India, where there are huge parts of their power plans going forward, but you know, again, this is these are these are quick actions. But I think over the long term, I mean, there's not a lot that can change from this.
3: Yeah, I think uh, I, I'd agree with Tim. If you're looking at sort of the nuclear industry globally writ large, you'd, you'd be talking about the the growth of that coming from places like China and India, which are far less likely, I think, to cancel any of their plans. Uh, regarding the the construction of of facilities underway than if that growth were here in the United States, where the political reaction uh, in in this country has been kind of consistent in in keeping nuclear from, you know, moving forward for, you know, a couple of decades now. So it's not that the growth would have come from here and is now being taken off the boards. The places that it is going to come from are are probably going to stick to plan.
0: But we haven't uh, I mean, to your point about nuclear power here in America, we haven't had a new plant built since Three Mile Island. That was 1979. Um, and uh, President Obama had put in his budget, uh, I think it's $36 billion in loan guarantees for nuclear power. Um, so there, there seems to be some movement afoot, uh, at least in that direction. Um, but do you think that something like this just automatically takes it off the table here?
3: I I think it it makes the schedule, uh, it pushes everything a little bit further out, and maybe a great deal further out. We don't know how this is going to play out. uh, Any truly bad news that comes out of what is going on with the facilities in Japan right now will have an effect on the willingness of the president or anybody else to step in the way of certain constituencies
0: of the voters. Um, Bill Mann Japan accounts for, I believe, it's eleven percent of global luxury sales. Uh, pivoting off of what Tim said, what do you, what goes through your mind as an investor when you see luxury companies like Tiffany's, you know, just get, their stock getting hit? I think it's down six percent so far today. Is that an overreaction?
1: I think everything's been an overreaction. I mean, I think that. Uh that watching, watching the coverage of what's happened on CNN, for example, those people should be ashamed of themselves for as much as they've been they've been fear mongering. I mean, what has happened in Japan? I think the bigger issues are being missed here. You know, we had a massive tsunami. I mean, the, the fact that we're focusing on you know the, the nuclear power plants maybe it's the most sensational thing, but it's not. it's it, it's it's not the biggest issue here. I would say in terms of the uh, the the luxury stocks. I'm not quite sure how this changes anything for, you know, people's willingness to consume Tiffany.
2: You know, I, I mean, I just don't, I, I, I don't really see the relevance. Well, it's not just luxury stocks. It's, you know, Japanese consumer plays writ large, you know, fast retailing, which is a fast fashion um, uh, clothing chain in Japan, has been down 20 percent uh, over the weekend. Makita, which makes tools and, and, and equipment used in construction, sells globally, is also down substantially. You know, and at the end of the day, the value of a stock yeah they're going they're gonna have a soft quarter, a soft next quarter, maybe a soft three quarters or a year, but the value of a stock is not created in one-year performance horizons. It's a long-term play, and both Fast Realty and Makita, like I said, are, are working outside Japan, and that's where their growth was going to come from anyway. Bill Mann?
1: Now, there is one macro issue, which is the fact that Japan's debt to GDP is about 200 percent. And so, one of the things that uh, that is being talked about is that perhaps this event will derail whatever chance of recovery that Japan has, that Japan is now going to go into a long-term uh, you know, financial weakening, if you will. And It's possible.
2: Um, But couldn't the opposite be true? I mean, obviously, you know, we we don't know about these things going forward, but the influx of, you know, insurance funds and what's going to be a massive rebuilding effort, you know, I mean, there is the opportunity that more economic activity is stimulated in the wake of this just because so much now is going to need to be done. Yeah, I don't think that you generate.
1: I, I don't think you generate prosperity by breaking windows. But th- it, it is very true that uh, you know that, that that there will be economic activity and there will be you know there there, there will be a massive uh, rebuilding.
0: When you look at nuclear power around the world, uh, right now in China there are twenty seven nuclear power plants that are under construction. Uh, obviously, an event like this. Uh, brings a lot of people out of the woodwork, and and some of them on CNN and other networks are saying nuclear power isn't safe. Uh, This is just the latest example of that. Um, Do these countries have an alternative? Is there any other choice, Uh, or is nuclear power very much a part of their future?
2: You know, I don't think they do have another choice unless they're willing to invest heavily very heavily in the development of, of additional solar technologies but again that wouldn't show up probably for another 10 to 20 years in terms of being able to use solar power to, to really power an economy um, but you know think about their options which are you know oil which is expensive and, and arguably running out coal which is getting more expensive and, and it is dirty d- <laughs> dirty and, and countries are competing to get it arguably running out you know there aren't a lot of renewable you know, ongoing, perpetual resources out there. The sun obviously makes a lot of sense, but it's not commercial or viable yet in, in in most forms. And so that really leads nuclear by by process of elimination. And you know, when it comes to nuclear in China and, and India, for that matter, you know, you hope that the stringent codes that are enforced in, in Japan are also being put in force there because you know China has the same has earthquakes also.
0: Uh, moving off of uh, the energy sector. Uh, when you look at the insurance sector, um, what is the story there? And as an investor, what what are you watching for, Bill Mann?
1: Yeah, right now, um, one of the uh, one of the ratings agencies has estimated that there's uh, that the expense for this is going to be about thirty five billion dollars, and that's the exposure that the insurance companies have. Most of the Japanese uh, insurance market is held by Japanese insurance companies, and so there's not going to be as much exposure as, for example, I would say a Berkshire Hathaway will probably end up having more exposure to the, uh, the New Zealand earthquake than it will to the Japanese one. But you're going to see – you will find out over the next few weeks who has reinsured and who has backed up these insurance companies, because that's the way insurance companies work is that they lay off some of their exposure, and so – there, some of these companies are going to uh, going to be affected, but it sh- primarily it should remain within Japan.
0: And one well known U.S. brand actually has a, a a big chunk of their business in Japan, and that's Affleck. Uh, their their stock is is down a bit today. Is that one people should just continue to keep their eyes on?
1: Yeah, that's a health insurer, though. That's that the, the, they don't do property and casualty. They're not going to be they're not going to be called upon to rebuild roads in Japan.
0: Um, as we wrap up here, um, just as investors and as just as uh, people who are curious about the world, I'm just uh, interested in your your closing thought uh, on this story. Uh, pull any thread of it you want, and Tim Hanson I'll start with you.
2: I think one of the things that's been most impressive amid all of this this chaos has been you know just how well I think Japan has held up relative to the circumstances of, as I said earlier, a massive earthquake, a massive tsunami. and and 150 or more aftershocks. I think that's evidence of a lot of things. Um, But one thing is that, you know, as a developed economy, Japan is very far along and very advanced in terms of big building regulations and, and that sort of thing. You know, and when you see these earthquakes hit places like Iran or Haiti or Sichuan province, you know, the death and destruction toll for even a lesser earthquake is so much worse because of those same you know, building codes and things aren't aren't being enforced or, or aren't on the books. Um, so, you know, if there's anything there, it's, you know, natural disasters, these things happen. They happen a lot more frequently than we'd like them to. Um, and it, it's always good to be prepared. I mean, be biased towards trying to be prepared, I guess.
0: Bill Barker?
3: Yeah, following up on, on the China-Japan relationship, and hopefully China is uh, studying this very closely and looking at what Japan uh, did do right and and hopefully continues to do right regarding the construction and what China can learn from that. But also China's uh, role in bringing aid to Japan, this is probably the first time that that's a possibility, uh, that that China would have any economic power to actually uh, come to the aid of Japan in any way. And that would be a good thing for the relationships of those countries. They've been affected for a long time by their histories, and it would be nice to see, uh, you know, uh, continued strengthening of, of friendship there.
0: Bill, man, you get the final word.
1: You know, I've been, I I have a little bit of a heavy heart because we have friends in the in in the Sendai area who we haven't been able to find, and so this is it's been very hard for me. Um, but I would say about Japan is that it is the uh, Captain Sullenberger of com- of countries. I mean, you want to talk about the country that was best prepared to handle something like this. It's Japan. They do they, they, they do earthquake training every year. Their buildings have incredible earthquake codes. I mean, if this th- this earthquake was 150 times the one that hit Haiti, there would have been millions of people dead in Haiti if, the, if an equivalent earthquake had hit there. And I think that it really bears repeating that what we have seen and what has happened is really remarkable.
0: All right. Bill Mann, Bill Barker, Tim Hanson. Guys, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.